It's time for the latest local, regional, and national sports topics of the day. It's the Sports Fan, presented by J&K Contracting. Ready? Now, from the WATH studios, here's Lucas Moore. Reds are hot, baby. The Reds are hot. Cincinnati Reds, big win today. We've got a full sports fan because of that big win happening earlier in the day. Normally our show might be by, might be cut short by the Cincinnati Reds, but today it is not because they completed a sweep of the Houston Astros. 3-2 to two after back-to-back hits from Nick Senzel and Jesse Winker. A double by Peraza to start the inning. And the Reds walk it off against the Astros and complete a three-game sweep against one of the best teams in Major League Baseball. And that puts him at 34-38 and 38 and right on the cusp of something special. Troy and I will talk about that in just a second. We want to welcome you into the Sports Fan 740-592-6646 is the number to call if you want to get in on the conversation. Troy, Reds, huge win today. But before we get into that, we've got news on Monday, we'll have a very special guest joining the show from the OHSAA. We've had some, uh, I would say, controversy uh, surrounding the regions. And I, re- I highly recommend you follow us on Facebook. You go to WXTQ Sports. You give us a like on the Facebook page. And that's going to allow you to see what we've been posting on there about the Region 21 that Trimble was placed into and Nelson York was placed into two of our county teams. How Region 21 is shaped so much differently than it has been in the past in terms of Division 6. I put I put a map out there of the current Region 21, and then there's a map of the former Southeastern Central-ish region. And uh, we'll have an opportunity to talk to Tim... Uh, what's, his, what's his name again? Street. Tim Street. We'll talk to Tim Street on Monday about all that. So we'll have a jam-packed show then, and, uh, and I'm excited for that interview. Uh, yeah, I'm pretty excited. Um, it might be Bo, <clears throat> excuse me, it might be uh, Bo Rugg too, which I think would be really neat. He's kind of um, in charge of Ohio high school football. Uh, Tim Street is the guy. He's the head of media relations. He does a lot of stuff for the OHSA. Uh, I talked to him today for a little bit. I didn't really have a chance to sit sit and ask him, hey, how much input did you have uh, in the divisional realignment? I don't, I don't think he's part of that that. Board, I guess it is. Uh, we'll try to find out more information before we have that interview Monday. But uh, he is the media relations guy, and he's been fed all the information to get out to us and, and other radio stations or newspapers that come and ask him questions. So it uh, it's going to be very interesting to have him on. And uh, I think you and I will spend the weekend <laughs> preparing some very good questions for him. And I'm, I'm very anxious to hear what they have to say. Yeah. I don't know. I, I took a look at the map. As soon as I found out we had that interview, it's really when I sat down with that uh, Google Maps thing and just plotted out the region because I really wanted to see the map. I wanted to see it again with my eyes just to make sure that we weren't crazy when you just kind of look at the counties on its face. And after after plotting out the map and thinking about it some more, I, I'm completely behind uh, what we said on that podcast. And I think it'll be an interesting conversation. I want to hear their perspective. Maybe they have a different way of thinking about it i guess and maybe they'll say something that we haven't thought of before that will shift it to their side but we'll see remains to be seen that interviews on monday um and we'll we'll bury that topic until next monday oh, it won't be buried 
That I, I don't think it'll be buried at all. It'll go on all the way through until the end of football season. Oh no, no, no! I meant bury it until Monday, and then we'll bring it oh, back yeah. on Monday. Yeah, we can bury it till Monday. We'll if bury you want. it till Monday. Although I, it just it's under my skin so much. I could talk about it all day, every day, until we get uh, some some solid answers. And uh, what what I'll be interested, in, and we can bury it, but I just I, I I'll be very interested to see if they sway my belief, if that makes any sense. I'm I'm really want to hear their facts because it's always going to be in the back of my head or. or or is what they telling us completely accurate? Is that what they were thinking? Is it very logical? And and will I accept that? Because I just I'm having a hard time believing that I will. Yeah, but I'm glad that the word got out that there were people upset about it, and we're gonna try to get that interview done. But nobody's upset about the Reds right now, Troy. I mean, this is this is kind of crazy what just happened. They just swept the Houston Astros. All three one-run victories, which is insane with this team's poor, poor record in one-run games throughout the year. You know, this is the first time the Reds have swept three straight games all by one run since 2013, the last time they made the playoffs. It's been that long since they've been this lucky, I guess, in one-run games over a three-game stretch. And this run, it sets up, it made me super excited for Reds baseball because they're 34-38, and and look at this stretch that's right in front of them. They've got four games at Milwaukee. Milwaukee currently at the top of the division at 40-33. and 33. Then two games at the Los Angeles Angels. They're a 500 club in the American League. Then three games home against Chicago. Team in second place in the division at 39-33. and 33. And then four games at home against Milwaukee again. And then two games home against Cleveland and then the All-Star break. So you got, count them, eight games against the first place team in the division. Over your next, what is that? Six, nine, 13, 15 games. So eight of your next 15 against the first place team in the division. Another three against the second place team in the division. The Indians are floundering in the AL. The Angels you can beat. All of a sudden, these next 15 games right in front of the Reds, they're only five and a half games out. If they have a stretch where they gain traction, where they are 12 and three, 13 and two, 11 and four in this stretch, All of a sudden, we're looking at a Reds team with momentum, with one of the best run differentials in Major League Baseball, with one of the best pitching staffs, a Cy Young candidate, an all-star returning to the lineup, and a lineup that's starting to look really, really dangerous. And now you're saying, this Reds team, are they a playoff team? Because what's the difference between them and the Brewers? The Brewers started 7-1 since that point, 33-32. Reds started 1-7 since that point, 33-31. So there really isn't much difference between them and Milwaukee if you take out that start. And I know the start counts, but this team came in with a lot of emotion, a lot of expectation, a new manager, a new way of doing things. And I think they're really starting to settle into the season. And I said that this team would not be able to win the division this year, even though they're pretty good, because they wouldn't be able to gain traction. Well, because of circumstances and a sweep of the Houston Astros, now you're looking at a stretch, Troy, where you can gain traction in the division, and you can actually be looking at a favorable position in terms of the playoffs moving forward past the All-Star break. Yeah, it seems to be uh, happening at a good time, too. Coming off a sweep of, of, a, of a really good team like that it gives you a lot of momentum, uh, which is nice. It, you know, It is cool, though, to kind of be sitting here today thinking, okay, the next two weeks, going to maybe tune in to 970 a little bit more. I'm going to listen to the Reds a little bit more, get home at night. I'm going to watch them. 
and kind of uh, be excited, a little intrigued about what happens uh, in that series against the Brewers. Because really, you, you know, you laid out that map and things. What's really important is the next four games. Uh, because that's really kind of going to set the tone. You're coming off the sweep. And I think heading into the All-Star break, what you do in these next four days, because they start tomorrow, they don't even have a day off, is going to be very important. Um, you know, if you come out of there with a 2-2 sweep, you're still, you're, you're still down the same amount of games back, or you're back the same amount as you are today. That's not going to feel great. Yeah, maybe a little bit of a moral victory. You go to Milwaukee, you know, you don't lose the series. But being the position that the Reds are in, uh, it's not about, oh, geez, we didn't lose the series. It's we got to win the series. So I will be looking, watching closely, hoping they take three, two or two out of three. They play in a four game or three? Four games. Four games. Let's take three out of four, man. Let's two, take three yeah. out of four from the Brewers in the next four days. I think, well, I think that that's what I want them to do, 100%, without a doubt. What will they do, though? I think they'll go two and two against Milwaukee. Then I think they'll split against Los Angeles Angels. Then I think they'll take two out of three from the Cubs. They've been playing well against the Cubs, and they'll get the Cubs at home. Then they'll get the Brewers at home, and I think they'll take three out of four. Because they'll have Castillo going in that series. They'll take three out of four there. And let's say they split with the Indians. That puts them at 43-44 and heading into the All-Star break with a lot of momentum. And you're probably not out of the race at that point. That's not a bad situation to be sitting in. And I think that's pretty moderate predictions. But there's a universe that exists. This Reds team start clicking. Things start breaking their way. All this bad luck that's accumulated for this Reds franchise over the last five years all of a sudden breaks one direction. And wins like this are momentum shifters. Wins like today you look back on at the end of the season and say, hey, remember that win that pushed that winning streak to four games and then we ended up rattling off nine straight victories, made up a bunch of ground on the Brewers, went above 500? That's possible. I mean, that's within the range of this team. I mean, they could, they are talented enough over the next 15 games to go 13-2. and two. No doubt about it. And if they go 13-2 and two over the next 15-game stretch, I might come on this show at the end of it, heading into the All-Star break, and say, the Reds are the favorite to win the division in the National League Central. But I, I guess we do also live in the world where this team, they've disappointed us before. David Bell has had some moments where he's mismanaged. The lineup has gotten cold in weird, weird times. We could also be saying, hey, this team went 6-9 and nine over the next 15 games, and they're in a worse position heading into the All-Star break, and then we're looking at them selling at the deadline. All I'm saying is the window is open, and it's just about whether the Reds are going to jump through it or not. Either way, the front office is going to be pulling their hair out because they're still in that area of are we sellers or are we buyers, and then there are always the complications. Well, we're a small market team, and our owner is not going to give us the money that most most organizations get. I think the Reds are ready to shell out money. I think they've been stashing it. They built that. They they built that deck in right field, and, and this comes from this this ideal that they're ready to make a push comes from conversations I've had with people around the organization. It's not just this idea that oh this hope. I really think that they're ready to spend not Dodger level money, but they're ready to have a higher payroll than they have now, and this is the highest payroll they've had in recent memory. I will believe it when I see it, my friend. People can tell you a lot of things. I've been waiting on a raise for like two years. I can tell you that. Yeah, but I don't. I think the Reds we'll have see. the money in the raise, don't. They, I think they've already spent it though, and they went out and they, they they're paying Puig, and they had all the offseason moves and things like that. They kind of spent some money already, which actually shocked me. But I'll believe it when I see it. Yeah, you're a doubter, Troy. 
Uh, I mean, right. we're talking about Cincinnati Reds here. We're talking about the Reds That's ownership. True. We're talking about the Reds organization. They have when the, when they don't do something year after year after year, you have to be in my position to say, "I will believe it when I see it." But I because I've never seen it ever. We never spend money. We're a small market team. We never spend that much money. That's true. But they spent 127 million this past year, the highest in a long time. Well, highest ever, but highest compared to the rest of the league in a long time. My question for you, though, is, is this the, the highest level of optimism that you felt around this team since 2013? Because for me, it really is. This late in the season, at 34 and 38, to feel this level of optimism around the Cincinnati Reds, you get a th- big, big middle of the season sweep. You're, you're actually staring down the division leader with games to play against them. This late in the year, close to the All-Star break, Really since 2014, I think, is the last time the Reds were in a position like this. Oh, man, you're asking an old guy that can't even remember what he did last night <laughs> or yesterday or even a couple of hours ago. Um, yeah, I, I don't know, Lucas. I mean, I'm still I'm not sharing your, your just the incredible optimism here. I mean, we're still a second-to-last place team. But they're I guess I, I see out. what you're saying. I, I guess just where they're, we're at right now. But they're five and a half out with a plus forty five run differential. If I said that, you know, that could be a team that's five and a half out, and, and the other team has the best record in baseball. Yeah, but they're not. They're, the run differential it's great and all, but they're they're a last place team. They've been on the. I pick up the newspaper at the bottom. It's the Cincinnati Reds. So all the analytics and stats don't don't mean anything. It's all wins. It's losses. That's where they've been at since day the day the season opened. So. Every morning I get up, I get the Columbus Dispatch out of my driveway, I open it up, and the Reds are in last place. So it's not like I'm over here, I'm just overly excited and just pumped and thinking that this Reds team is just going to just jump to the top and they're going to win the division and they're going to go to the World Series. I mean, I'm just, I'm not there yet. Maybe this 15-game stretch will get me there. How about that? I don't know. I hope it does. I me think too. This, I mean, I'm a Reds fan. I'm just saying. I mean, yeah, it's just I, tough to get excited about a team that's a, it's a last-place team. I, what I'm saying is I'm not excited to the point that this team is actually good. Let's start planning for the postseason. I'm saying that I'm excited that I'm going to watch the next 15 games with this childlike optimism that if it goes right, this team could be looking at the postseason. But it's about these next 15 games heading into the All-Star break. It's a crucial time for organizations to make decisions for you to evaluate what type of talent you have. these are the, They're big games. Big, big games coming up for the Cincinnati Reds. And it was a big, big segment for us. We're going to go ahead and step aside, take a break. When we come back, we'll talk about a little bit of NBA drama. Chris Paul, James Harden, we'll get into that. Talking to Joe Burrow later in the show as well. Uh, some very, very nice comments from his defensive coordinator, Dave Aranda at LSU. All on the sports fan. It's 97 WATH. From concrete to roofing to siding and windows, J&K Contracting has you covered from the ground up. Whether it's a room addition, a complete home build, or your commercial projects, let the professionals at J&K be of service from groundbreaking to completion. And don't forget they accept all major credit cards. They even have free seamless gutters with every complete roof installation. Don't hesitate to call J&K Contracting at 740-698-3521 for a free estimate. 
The Ohio Dental Association is a leader in educating adults on the importance of oral health and its link to overall good health. Dr. Michael Hallis, president of the Ohio Dental Association, shares one of the latest myths on oral care, that oil pulling is better than brushing and flossing. Currently, there are no scientific studies to show that oil pulling reduces cavities, whitens teeth, or improves oral health and well-being. Based on the lack of scientific evidence, I can't recommend oil pulling as a dental hygiene practice. The best way to maintain good dental health is to regularly see your dentist and brush twice a day for two minutes with a fluoride toothpaste and floss between your teeth once a day. You should also avoid tobacco products and sugary drinks and food in order to ensure your teeth and gums remain healthy. ODA member dentists are located throughout the state, are dedicated to providing the highest quality care, are bound by the highest ethical standards, and obtain superior ongoing education and training. On your next visit, ask if your dentist is a member of the Ohio Dental Association and American Dental Association so you know you're being treated by the best. To find an ODA dentist in your area, visit associationsadvanceohio.com. Attention sightseers, every Friday is your chance to win a custom map of Athens, courtesy of Lamborn Studio and Custom Framing. To win, visit Power 105 WXTQ 97 WATH on Facebook, Friday mornings at 9 a.m. Message our page with the location pictured, and the fifth response will be the winner. Winners are announced Friday evening, 4 p.m. on our Facebook page. And don't forget to click that like button. Looking for a cold beer and a place to cool off? Come take a visit to Mel's Roadhouse, where all are welcome any day of the week. Stop in, kick your feet up, and relax with buckets of beer, a game of pool, and great people. Speaking of pool, try your luck against the other pool sharks in town at the weekly pool tournaments. Or if whaling out of tune is more your game, Mel's even has karaoke nights. Head out to Old 550 for Mel's Roadhouse, a go-to good time. We interrupt this broadcast to bring you the following breaking news story. On your cape and cowl, it's time for Rathacon, Athens' own pop culture convention on April 27th at the Athens Community Center. It's a day full of fun with panels, presentations, workshops, kids' activities, costume contests, raffles, tabletop and video gaming, and so much more. $25 for VIP, $10 for general adult, $5 for youth, 12 to 17 years old, and 11 under are free. To prepare for the con, check out the Nerd Prom on April 26th at Casa. Don't miss Rathacon, April 27th at the Athens Community Center. Weenie Wednesday. Hungry? Larry's Dog House on West Union Street has corn dogs and regular sized hot dogs for just 99 cents each. Mmm, Larry's. Weenie Wednesday. WATH 97.1 FM. Troy Bolin and Ryan Boyd joining us. Wasn't sure if Ryan was going to make it in today, but we're glad he did. Hello, Ryan. Put the Oak Ridge Boys on those bumpers. Right there, man. Put that record. Oak Ridge Boys. You can put it on the bumpers. I don't don't know how to work that thing. I don't know. What do you mean? You're a you're a whiz in here. You gotta. You can't even use the the, the foundation, the basic equipment inside a radio station. No, I do you even know what that is? It's a record player. I do not answer the phones though. Seven four zero five nine two six six four six. If you want to get into the conversation, but I'll tell you what. I mentioned that the Reds, in terms of outlook and positivity, this is the best it's felt since twenty fourteen. I was about right because here's their records at June nineteenth every year. Two thousand eighteen, they were twenty seven and forty five. They're thirty four and thirty eight today. Um, 2018, they were 27 and 45. 2017, they were 30 and 39 and moving downwards. 
2016 they were 27 and 43 and in 2015 they were 31 and 35 close to 500 in 2014 as well so it's it's always been pretty negative at this point of the year but coming off a three game sweep of the Houston Astros angling up in that division Ryan likes the Brewers a lot more than I like the Brewers um I think the Reds if you just look at you know Pythagorean win and you look at those numbers in terms of runs run differential pitching staff things like that Ryan I think the Reds are a really good baseball team, and I think that they're much better than their record does indicate. And now you see a team like that start to win some games. If they get some luck on their side, they're a team that can go on a real tear. Are they a team that's a World Series contender? Probably not. But are are they a team that can sniff the wild card? Can sniff the division if the Cubs and Brewers don't pick themselves up and start pushing forward? Because, Ryan, you mentioned Milwaukee, and I mentioned this stat before you got in here. Milwaukee started 7-1 and this year, right? The Reds started 1-7. and seven. If you erase those starts, which I know you can, but if you erase those starts, Milwaukee is 33-32. and 32, The Reds are 33-31. and 31. So it's a lot closer in the NL Central with the Reds coming up the rear than a lot of people, I think, are giving uh, the Reds credit for, especially in the national media. Yeah, I don't disagree with that. I, not at all. You know, I, the conversation we had during the commercial break, you know, I was just saying that um, you know, we were talking about talent in the division and, and quality of player and, and that sort of thing. You know, I, I think I, I really believe that Milwaukee is is built in a pretty unique way in terms of the, the talent distribution and that sort of thing. I think they have the best player maybe in baseball right now uh, with Christian Yelich. Uh, it's debatable, of course. All this stuff is debatable, but I, I, I really like the the makeup of Milwaukee. But I don't, I don't disagree with you. I mean, I think the Reds. They they are talented and and they've just had a lot of unlocked potential so far oh, this yeah. year, you know. And and at times the pitching has been great. At, in, in at other times and, and probably in less times, but but at other times the the um the the hitting has been okay, you know. And we know what what Joey Votto can do. We know that he'll eventually get it back together, and he has to because he's not a home run guy. He's not an RBI guy, so he's got to hit for average. We know that'll happen. Uh, Suarez he'll get it going a little bit. Yasiel Puig has been hitting the long ball a little bit here recently. Hit one today, um, you know. So if 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 these pieces, Nick Senzel, another guy I really like, if 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 the pieces can start start forming into more of a whole. You know, it's not one guy having a good day for for a week and then another guy for a week. It's not the pitching versus the hitting. If it can all come together, I don't disagree with you. I think the Reds could be right in the mix. And I've said this for weeks now. You know, I'm a firm believer that in the MLB, if if you're at 500 or or a little bit better than 500 at the All-Star break, you have a chance. Unless yes. you're in a division where, you know, I mean this year there's a few teams that look like they might they might run away with it, but but typically 500 Right around that mark, with about seventy games left, you've got a real chance, and the and the Reds are trending that way. So I I agree with you that they are very much in this discussion. Yeah, there's sabermetrics that say the Reds are a top ten team in Major League Baseball with the way they performed in terms of runs scored, runs allowed, and that's adjusted for strength of schedule and, and all those things. I think you put the Reds in a different division with a little bit of different bounce of the baseball. They're a team that's competing for a first place spot somewhere else in the league. I think that's the type of talent they have. Because I look, I look at the team, and I remember the 2013-2012 Reds. And I'm like, this team, in terms of just the dudes that are on the roster, this team is like those teams. I mean, really. Look at, this, look at the pitching staff. Look at the bullpen. Some of the guys that are throwing out of there. The back end of the bullpen. You, you wish you had a guy like Chapman. Just this three-out getter at the back end of the bullpen. Rossiel Iglesias, not sure if I fully trust him. It'd be nice to have that guy. But 
Outside of that, what's the difference? I think the main difference is that Votto is not an MVP candidate, surefire home run RBI guy, like he was in 2012 and 2013. But you have a Ryan Ludwig-type character in Derek Dietrich. He's hitting a lot of home runs out of the ballpark. Yasiel Puig, I mean, that those 2012-2013 teams, I think this team, in terms of talent, they're right there with them. So I think there's a lot of hope moving forward for the Reds. I want to just say one thing real quick. <laughs> You 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 spout out the saber metrics and they're they got the best run differential and you you're, and you add up all these things, but they're in last place. Doesn't that kind of disprove? Well, because kind of like take back your that that firm belief that that, that that's an analytical thing it means so much. I mean, you just spouted out that they should be in first place. They got all these things going for them. Best run differential. What else did you spout out there? Yeah, but I'm saying that it's breaking. I'm saying that baseball is a game based on... But they're on... there now, and they're still in last place. They've done all those things that you said that a team should be doing that, that makes them good, that proves that they're good, but they're not. We're almost to the All-Star break, and they're still in last place. Second to last. Second to last. And they're only five and a half out, so it's not really that much of a last place. I mean, I'm... T- the, if okay, if, I'm just I'm, I'm just arguing your point of your 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 big firm belief in the in the, in the analytical sabermetric side of baseball. Well, sometimes it doesn't work out, but it's oh. they're, they're anomalies. Oh, they're okay. anomalies. You get that on tape. We get it recorded. Yeah. Sometimes very, very it don't rare. work out. Very rare that we hear that. I you know what I would add though too is you know baseball is just so so fascinating in the sense that the season is so long that you go through such ebbs and flows. You know, I mean, I mean right now is the time for the Reds. This is where they have to pounce yes. in this division race. You know, cuz cuz that's when you look back at a season and you say, "Okay, what went right? What went wrong?" You could answer that question a billion different ways, but but typically it comes down to did we take advantage of opportunities that were given to us? Well, frankly, right now is that opportunity. The Reds have hit a four-game winning streak, and while that's happening, not only is Chicago and Milwaukee not playing great, but they're losing in really ugly ways. Uh, for, for example, last night, Chicago at home playing against a pitcher that had a 6-plus ERA. Chicago couldn't hit at all, and they gave up the, the game-winning home run in the ninth to lose to Chicago, uh, the White Sox. The, the White Sox beat the Cubs. Right now, we were talking Brewers, so I happened to bring up the score and just check out what's going on. The Brewers right now, so we're talking five and a half games out, the Brewers were up 7-5 to five in the seventh, their amazing bullpen, which frankly is very, very good. Their bullpen just gave up a three-run home run to the Padres. Padres up 8-7 in the eighth inning. They could be, the Reds could be five games back at the end of today, and that's what I'm talking about, capitalizing on moments because every team has it. I don't care if you're the Yankees or if you're the Kansas City Royals of this year. Every team's going to go through tough stretches. you got to capitalize. Yeah, and I don't think the Reds are... They're a team that's good enough that even when things aren't breaking their way, they can do exactly what they've been doing since that weird start, which is hover around 500. So if they just take advantage of they're pretty hot, pitching and hitting seem to be coming together, bullpen's playing well, you're relatively healthy, knock on wood, division is floundering, you've got 11 of your next 15 heading into the All-Star break, everybody else is getting tired, you've got momentum, 11 of your next 15 against divisional opponents, that is the time to pounce. That is the time that you make an 11-4, and 12-3 run, in the middle of your season that you look back on and say, remember when the Reds got into this division race? That can be what we're talking about um, post-All-Star break. But they've, they've got to execute because this is the, the, the best window this team has had to postseason contention since Dusty Baker was the manager of this team. And, and it's wild to say. CP3 and James Harden want to get into that. Chris Paul just needs to realize that he's not that good anymore. 
I think that's kind of the biggest thing I've read out of these stories. I've read a story that James Harden, he has his own warm-up routine. He goes over and shoots by himself and gets in the zone. And CP3, during Rockets practices, would take a rookie over there and try to play one-on-one on James Harden's court just to mess with the guy. These two didn't speak for months throughout the season. There's videos coming out of James Harden slapping CP3's hand. And I think it's a case of a very vocal leader, a guy that tries to make his point, it's my way or the highway, isn't as good as the best player on the team anymore, and didn't pay any respect to a league MVP in James Harden. And I think that's where that's where the rub came, is I think that Chris Paul just did not respect James Harden, the league MVP, the guy that averaged 36 points per game, and that caused all this tension. And I think that the Rockets have a real window, a real opportunity to maybe compete for a title this year with the Warriors down, but Chris Paul not taking care of his body, having a bad attitude, and fighting with the superstar on your team is going to lead to the Rockets' demise. And I think that's why the Lakers are very clearly the the front runner. I think, in the West. I, I don't see any other team right now, unless Kawhi Leonard goes to the Clippers, that should be the front runner over the Los Angeles Lakers. I, I think it'll be interesting. You know, what I would just what I would just add, and, and in a lot of ways I'm piggybacking, and I don't mean to do that, but I, you know, I, what I find interesting about it is just the fact that you know I think on the surface, I think we have this tendency where we think, you know, super teams now dominate the NBA, and, and that that is the natural path to an NBA championship, and in a lot of ways that's true. You know, the, the NBA champions we've seen over the last decade or more have been more often than not these super teams and and bunch of all-stars playing together. But what what is often overlooked, and this goes to the point about Houston, is that it, it is not easy to put a bunch of all-stars together and, and expect them to not only perform well, but but coexist. And I yeah. think I think that goes to the point that, you know, Steve Kerr is is a phenomenal coach, by the way. I th- I think what he's done with Golden State is amazing uh in the way that he's meshed that group of of all-stars together. But my point being you know, we, we're we're now seeing stories like this. We're seeing stories where there's friction in the locker room amongst guys that consider themselves major stars in the NBA. The other thing we've recently seen, and this is Golden State, and this is nobody's fault, but when there are injuries and there are major injuries, teams that are built like that, teams that are going to be built like the new look Lakers are going to be built. If you have something go wrong on the injury front, you're decimated. There, there's no depth whatsoever. So I, I just think these these types of stories, Lucas, they they, they put holes in, in this perception that, that the the general NBA fan has that the super team is is inevitably going to be the best team in the league. You know, so it's it's a fascinating story out of Houston. I agree with you that I think it's going to hurt them a lot in in the short term, in, at the very least. Um, Lakers, yeah, are they the favorite? Probably. Um, I mean, I still think Portland has something to say about that. I still think Denver has something to say about that. We'll see what the what free agency brings. It's it's still a big question mark. I think the Lakers still need a third star, and obviously they're doing all they can to get a third star. Um, but but yeah, again, my point just being, uh, you know, having a couple big names is, is starting to prove to not necessarily be uh, the deciding factor in who's going to win it all in the end. Well, think about think about how injuries have affected the recent NBA Finals. Let's go back 2014. That was Heat, Spurs. LeBron had cramps all through the first two games. Uh, We remember that. So injuries affected that one in some sort of way. 2015, Kyrie Irving breaks his kneecap game one. Kevin Love not even available in that series. Warriors end up winning. 2016 is the last series that I, like, 
there was there wasn't really any major injury stories, although Andrew Bogut went out in that series, and some say that opened things up for the Cleveland Cavaliers and LeBron James inside. 2017, I don't remember any really big injury headlines. 2018, LeBron James breaks his hand after Game 1 by punching a clipboard, whether you believe that story or not. But injuries are a real part of the NBA story. And it makes you nervous, I guess, when formulating super teams, but my thing is, it's also worked out a lot more times than it hasn't. Especially when you put guys like LeBron James and Anthony Davis together. They are just that good. And they're both genuine good guys who already like each other, already have the same representation, have already worked out in the offseason. They're going to they're gonna have chemistry like D-Wade and LeBron had. And, and I think it's going to work. I think Anthony Davis sees LeBron as a mentor. And, and when you have a guy that's third all-time in player efficiency rating, seeing another guy on your team as a mentor, that's going to work out really well for you. I think that's going to work out really, really well for the Los Angeles Lakers. They're just two incredible talents. They're so incredible, and their their force on the court is so large that them together on the same floor, it's hard to imagine another team in the West, as currently constructed, beating them in a seven-game series because it's going to come down to a six-minute stretch in the fourth quarter. We see this every playoffs, and in that six-minute stretch in the fourth quarter, if I got AD and LBJ, I'm going to win. I'm going to win the game. It's pretty good you brought up that topic. I, I'm, I feel like... I'm the cool guy now with the technology. You guys just oh, always geez. be on top of me because right when you started talking about Chris Paul, the story just broke that he's been try- they tried to trade him to the Knicks, and the Knicks actually refused the deal. Uh, Chris Paul's salary is $38.5 million. The current team of the Knicks is $36.1 million. Mm. He makes literally more money than the entire team. Yeah. Uh, so that just happened. That, uh, that So already Houston's trying to trade him. Uh, it's pretty bad when the Knicks actually turn you down, by the way. And also, Houston right now is aggressively clearing space so they can sign Jimmy Butler. So, do they keep Paul? Do they keep uh, Harden and find a way to, to get Jimmy Butler? I'm not talking about the Lakers. We're, you asked the Houston question. Uh, so, um, it'll be interesting. Yeah. No, but Chris Paul, Jimmy Butler in the same locker room with Chris Paul already upset? That's not going to work. <laughs> if Jimmy Butler comes in, Chris Paul's got to go. Even if you just cut him. Because that's not going to work. I mean, Chris Paul is not going to give up any more control. He he wants to control the team. That's been his attitude his entire career. I mean, he's been the best player on his team forever. He's been the ball handler, the, the ball control guy. And, and James Harden is now a league MVP, and Jimmy Butler thinks he's the best player on every team he's ever played on, which is a fine attitude to have. But having all three of those guys in the same locker room, and n- none of them, None of them have championship experience or anything even close to championship experience. Maybe they think it's dysfunctional, so we might as well go all-out dysfunctional. If they go all I mean... <laughs> you know, why not? You're Mike, already there. Let's just take it one step further. Let's see what happens here. Chris Paul, James Harden, Jimmy Butler, Mike D'Antoni. That sounds oh, like it sounds awesome. a sounds playoff like a... failure just waiting to happen. <laughs> I know, but it'd be entertaining. It'd be entertaining to watch. Put an average Al Horford there, too. Another guy that can't win titles. Hey, 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 hey. Horford's a good guy, man. He's no, a good he's player. a great guy. Where's Al Horford going to go, Troy, before we go to break? Because I'm, I'm here. The Lakers sound interested, but they're saying that Horford's going to get the max. And I don't think the Lakers are going to pay Al Horford the max. I don't think anybody will. He's, I mean, he's 34 years old. He's a good player, but he's. I, I thought for sure when he opted out that he was going to re sign with the Celtics at a little bit of a discount given his age. If the Celtics were nice and offered him like a five year deal at a discount price, but that's not the case now. They said he's opting out to find more money and a four or five year deal. Maybe a team like that's not even in the playoff hunt just needs, needs a guy like Horford and paying the money like we see every once in a while. But 
I, I don't see any of the big names paying him. I don't see the Lakers paying him a max. There's no way. What do you think, Ryan? Where do you think Al Horford goes? Any guess? Mm, I, you know, I truthfully, I don't have a guess on that one at the moment. I, I agree with Troy though. I, I don't, I don't think the Lakers. Um, you know, I think they've got bigger, bigger fish to fry, if you will, bigger, bigger guys that they want in that locker room. Um, you know, I, I'd be shocked if the Lakers don't end up with a Kemba, um, maybe a Kawhi. You know, Jimmy Butler, maybe. I, I'm thinking more Kemba or Kawhi, probably, but. Um, you know, Kyrie. I, I mean, Kyrie. Kyrie yes, yeah, that's a good one too. Sorry, I left him uh, out. Yeah, Kyrie's realistic. I think I think the Mavericks are going to get Al Horford. There you go. Good why, spot. Good why, spot. Why would him. he go there? There's, there's, there's. I don't think it's a bad spot. I'm not disagreeing. Cap, I'm just curious. The team there's kind of. cap yeah. room. There's cap room. They're not worried about getting another superstar because they think they have that in Luca and Kristaps, who I think could be two genuine superstars. They have that one-two punch, and Al Horford's a great third guy. So if you really buy into what Luca and Kristaps are going to be able to do together then Al Horford's that perfect big man, veteran, glue guy to make the Mavericks a playoff team this season with Luka Doncic averaging probably 26-9 and nine and, and 7. Man, I mean, it sounds that's like what that guy I can mean, do. That went, Mark Cuban, no one put it past that guy. It's been a while since he's made a move. So, I mean, he could be maybe looking at a Chris Middleton who just opted out of Milwaukee. Yeah, I mean, so yeah. why get Horford if you could get him? He's a younger version of, of Horford and maybe even a little bit better, but he's definitely a lot younger. So... Boy, free agency is crazy, man. Yeah, that that was the news that actually struck me today. Um, you know, not as much Horford. I, you know, he'll find a place. I, I don't know where that'll be, um, but he is older, and he, you know, he does have less less left in the tank. Um, I, I think Middleton is a steal for whoever can figure him out. Maybe Milwaukee will will come back and and try to swoop back in and get him. But Middleton to me is a is a game changer that's not well known. People don't people don't follow Milwaukee, especially not before this year. Yeah. But Middleton is a darn good player. So I, I'm with Troy. I think that that's more of the story I was following today. Well we'll see. We got a caller on the line right quick before we get to break. Caller, what would you like to talk about on the sports fan? Hi. I love your show. <laughs> Thank you, Ruth. But- both of you two should apply for Marty's job. Oh, Marty's job, you know. Brenneman? Well, they already yeah. gave it. Um, Tommy uh, Thrall is his name. I think he did the double A. I think they oh, already gave that Oh, they job already away. got somebody to replace him? Yeah. Unfortunately. Unfortunately, unfortunately for <laughs> yeah. us. That six-figure salary well, is just out the window. Both of you guys should have applied. Yeah. Well, you should have applied. Thank you so much. Okay. I really appreciate it. Just wanted to say that. <laughs> Thank you. Great callers on the sports fan. Troy, you think who, who do you think she was talking about? <laughs> she had to be talking about you, man. I, 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 she I'm said you qualified. too. You too. So is you, it... and, you and Ryan, for sure. I don't, I'm, I'm barely qualified to do a high school game. <laughs> so definitely you too. I think Troy gets up to the press box every week and sits down before he calls a game and goes, who let me up here again? <laughs> <laughs> Did I pull I this off another I week? <laughs> that, is a, that is a question of mine. Although I don't go to press boxes. I only do basketball. That's true. I don't do football. That's true. All right, we've got uh, LSU talk on the other side. Dave Aranda had some really good comments about our boy, Joe Burrow. 
Talk about that on the other side. This is the Sports Fan 97 WATH. From concrete to roofing to siding and windows, J&K Contracting has you covered from the ground up. Whether it's a room addition, a complete home build, or your commercial projects, let the professionals at J&K be of service from groundbreaking to completion. And don't forget they accept all major credit cards. They even have free seamless gutters with every complete roof installation. Don't hesitate to call J&K Contracting at 740-698-3521 for a free estimate. The Ohio Dental Association is a leader in educating adults on the importance of oral health and its link to overall good health. Dr. Michael Hallis, president of the Ohio Dental Association, shares one of the latest myths on oral care, that oil pulling is better than brushing and flossing. Currently, there are no scientific studies to show that oil pulling reduces cavities, whitens teeth, or improves oral health and well-being. Based on the lack of scientific evidence, I can't recommend oil pulling as a dental hygiene practice. The best way to maintain good dental health is to regularly see your dentist and brush twice a day for two minutes with a floor right toothpaste and floss between your teeth once a day. You should also avoid tobacco products and sugary drinks and food in order to ensure your teeth and gums remain healthy. ODA member dentists are located throughout the state, are dedicated to providing the highest quality care, are bound by the highest ethical standards, and obtain superior ongoing education and training. On your next visit, ask if your dentist is a member of the Ohio Dental Association and American Dental Association so you know you're being treated by the best. To find an ODA dentist in your area, visit associationsadvanceohio.com. Attention sightseers, every Friday is your chance to win a custom map of Athens, courtesy of Lamborn Studio and Custom Framing. To win, visit Power 105 WXTQ 97 WATH on Facebook, Friday mornings at 9 a.m. Message our page with the location pictured, and the fifth response will be the winner. Winners are announced Friday evening, 4 p.m. on our Facebook page. And don't forget to click that like button. Crest is changing the way we care for our gums, and that's worth singing about. Crest Gum Detoxify, deep, clean toothpaste. Crest Gum Detoxify, for healthy gums, use it every day. Crest Gum Detoxify, early gum damage, reversed, neutralized bacteria, even below the gum line, yeah, it works. Crest, healthy, beautiful smiles for life. Are your carpets filled with memories, odors, and a few other things? The Home Depot makes replacing that carpet easy with more styles and colors to choose from. Right now, with free installation on any purchase of $5.99 or more, all by licensed local pros backed for life. Today is the day for doing and saving with free carpet installation only at the Home Depot. More saving, more doing. For a limited time, $5.99 minimum purchase required, typically $6.99. For license information, visit homedepot.com slash license numbers. Valid through August 28, 2019. Looking for a cold beer and a place to cool off? Come take a visit to Mel's Roadhouse, where all are welcome any day of the week. Stop in, kick your feet up, and relax with buckets of beer, a game of pool, and great people. Speaking of pool, try your luck against the other pool sharks in town at the weekly pool tournaments. Or if whaling out of tune is more your game, Mel's even has karaoke nights. Head out to Old 550 for Mel's Roadhouse, a go-to good time. Nine seventy WATH ninety seven point one FM. Troy Bolin, Ryan Boyd, and Lucas Moore right here in studio. Final segment of the show, sports fan. 
We've talked in this show. I said the Reds, the next 15 games for them, it could be the biggest stretch of their franchise really for a long, long time because this is the worst stretch of Reds baseball in a very long time. So this, these next 15 games are huge for David Bell, everybody in that front office. If these next 15 games go right, they can look real smart at the end of this because they are set up well for the future. If things go wrong, things go right this year. They're set up well for the future, but if things go right this year... Now you're really set up well for the future because some of those assets that you have now gain extra value. You'll get more money in arbitration, more picks, all those things. Um, We also talked Chris Paul, a little bit of NBA. Where's Al Horford going to go? But the last segment of the show, we want to talk about our boy, Joe Burrow, Dave Aranda, who is the highest paid assistant coach in the country. I don't know if you guys knew this. How much money do you think Dave Aranda, the defensive coordinator at LSU, makes? $2.5 million. I hate that you already looked that up. I just knew it already. Two point five million. Wow, I was going to say one point five. That's even more than I thought. Hmm. Two point five million. Frank Solich, the head coach of the Ohio Bobcats, five hundred seventy-five k. Yeah, Dave Aranda is the highest-paid assistant coach in the country. And uh, when there were reports, um, what was it? The job opening last year, he was all his name was everywhere, and he came out and said, "I'm not going anywhere. This is where I want to be." That's I like the guy, man. I love the fact that he wants to be a defensive coordinator. And then there are a lot of the the message boards I read where he's just waiting until Coach O retires. He's going to take, he, he's a tiger through and through. He wants to coach LSU. He's just going to kind of wait it out and wait his turn to be the head guy at LSU. That's a good plan in my yeah, book. And, and, I love it. And the talent they turn out defensively in the SEC and at LSU, he's going to have success on the defense every year. So I think that he'll be in a good position that if the team itself falters or Ed O decides to move on, he'd be the next guy to step up. Outside of that, what he'd say about Joe Burrow Uh, the Athens County hero, we all know him. He said that Joe Burrow right now, the offense is at a point that if they tip anything during practice, that Joe Burrow's getting the ball to the exact right spot. He said their timing is is pinpoint. Dave Aranda says he's never seen calmness and confidence like that in a quarterback from Joe Burrow. All good signs, Troy, um, from Joe. We knew that he was capable of this, but he continues to work hard. He continues to make strides in practice. He continues to be the guy we know he can be and it's setting up with most of the passing core coming back on this team for Joe Burrow to have a real successful season in Baton Rouge. It's a real high compliment. Uh, Dave Rand is the guy. I mean, he is a defensive guy. He's not going to come out and talk about the offense. He's not a, he's not a political guy. He's not going to blow smoke up, whatever, go down that road. He's going to tell it like it is. So it's a really, really high compliment from that guy. And does it surprise me? No, uh, because the things that he mentioned – about Joe's, we felt those were Joe's strengths anyway, and they're just—he's just getting better at it. He's—he's he's elevating it to the point where he's getting compliments from the defensive coordinator of the LSU Tigers. I mean, that's how good he is getting. Uh, now it is going to be—I feel like he's going to do that throughout the weeks of the college football season. And the big question now will be: Can he do it versus Alabama's defense? Yep, that is the next stage of this evolution of of a great quarterback, a great SEC quarterback. Yeah, you just blew up Texas A&M. You just you did what you did in the bowl game. You're shredding defenses. You're doing great. Your team's doing great. The next question is, can you do it versus Saban in Alabama? Yeah, that, I think that's the big question for the year. Um, because you look at the Heisman Trophy race, which some people talk about, and, and right now Burrow's not on any of the odds. You have to go 25, 30 deep um, before you get to Burrow's names in terms of the sports books for Vegas odds on the Heisman Trophy. Um, he only had 2,894 yards last year, 16 touchdowns. So he would have to get to at least 4,500. That's about the benchmark for in terms of total yardage 
um, passing and running for a quarterback to win the Heisman and 35 touchdowns. Nothing like that will happen if you get shut out by Bama again. That's just not going to happen. So if if you want to talk about Heisman Trophy or any serious major postseason awards for Joe Burrow, if you want to talk about national championship-level success, Troy's exactly right. You're going to have to beat Bama, and it's at Bama this year. You also have a game at Texas. you got A&M at home, Florida at home, uh, at Ole Miss, at Mississippi State. Those are just random, tough road SEC games. Both those teams hovered around 500 last year. Mississippi State tick above, Ole Miss tick below. There's tough games on the schedule, and he's going to have to make big throws against big-time defenses. I think our boy's up to the challenge. Heisman might be a little too far out there, though, because the statistical improvement that's going to have to happen, Ryan, seems outlandish. Yeah, he's not going to win Heisman. I, you know, and, I, and, and everybody listening in is going to be angry that I'm saying that, and I'm making such a bold claim. It's not even really that bold. I just think the people listening in our area are, are so pro-Joe, and they should be, but... Um, you know, he he's he's not going to win Heisman. I mean, Trevor Lawrence is going to win Heisman uh, or Tua. Maybe I was I was going to say that maybe Tua. Uh, one of those two guys is going to win Heisman. Period. I, I don't. I'd, I'd be shocked if either of those two guys didn't. I think I think Lawrence is going to simply because he plays in the ACC and, and the ACC yeah. is not the SEC. And Lawrence is the is the reigning quarterback of the national champion. He's going to score forty points a game. They're going to go twelve and zero again. Um, and you have to get to forty five hundred yards. The yeah, last quarterback. Yeah. It it just hasn't happened in the last decade. You got to get to that benchmark. You have to, and and, and again, sometimes it's the offense that dictates it. You yeah, know, LSU's offense, and we'll see what they do this year. I mean, it could change a little bit. I know they want to air it out a little more, but you know, Clemson they, they let Lawrence throw the ball all over the field, and he does it successfully. And you're right, it's a numbers game. So you know, is he going to win Heisman? Probably not. I won't say no. Probably not. However. What I know about Joe, and I don't know him that well, but what I know about Joe for certain is that he's a team guy, always has been. And and if you go to LSU, every year the expectation is that you play for an SEC championship and that you're positioned to play for a national championship. And what you guys are saying is right. The only way they accomplish that is if they can finally get on, excuse me, get on a football field and compete with Alabama. And frankly, nobody's been able to do that in the SEC recently. Uh, yeah, LSU wasn't even close last year. No, no, not, not even close. And, and most teams aren't. You know, I, I, of course, every year they have a game or two that's a little bit close. But most teams are not on the same playing field. You, you could be truly, you could be BCS good. Like you could be good enough to play in one of those New Year's games, and and just simply not be on the same level as Clemson or Alabama. They are they are that far ahead of everyone. So, you know, how you know what will his numbers look like? I don't know. They'll be better for sure. I, I have no doubt. That, that a year under his belt playing in the best conference in the country, he is going to be better. He is going to be in more of the national discussions. I think he'll be, you'll see his picture on ESPN. You'll see, and, and there was already some of that, but I think you'll see more of it. I think it'll be Joe Burrow and the Tigers for everything. But, you know, ultimately, can, can they play with Alabama? Can they actually be in the top five and, and be as good as those top five teams? Even last year, when they got to the top five, I think we all thought, uh, you know, we'll see. They have a chance, but I don't. I don't really think so. So, so can they actually compete at that top level? We'll soon find out. I think a good goal for Joe would be winning second in SEC Player of the Year behind Tua. Right, Tua's stats might just be so overpouring, but I think Joe's possible. He could get up to sixty-two percent completion. I think he could have a five percentage drop uh, jump. His receivers dropped a lot of balls last year. I think he can get to 3,500 yards. I think he can get to 25 touchdowns, 27 touchdowns, and stay below 10 interceptions. And if you do that and win 10-11 games at LSU, 
you're getting big time national recognition. You're getting looks from the NFL because of the type of quarterback he is, because of the accuracy he has, because of the brain he has for the game, because of his work ethic, his calmness, his confidence. I think all those things are going to attract NFL teams. And I think when we look at national recognition and accomplishments to come next for Joe Burrow, we were talking Heisman when he went to LSU. But be, I think Edo's too conservative for that. I, I just don't think that they're going to let him open up to ever be able to win a Heisman Trophy. So I think the next accomplishment, outside of team accomplishments, but individual accomplishments for Joe Burrow is the draft. How high can he go? Where can he go? And what can his NFL success look like? Yeah, all pretty good points. <clears throat> I think it is interesting that they're putting a lot of faith in the in the fellow that they hide, hired from the New Orleans Saints. I, if you read, if you kept re- reading the article, you were quoting about Dave Aranda. Yeah, he kind of elaborated on that. We're throwing to the backs more. We're doing a lot of different things that we did a year ago. And then last year, if you listen to a lot of LSU fans, they made a small gain in terms of their offense compared to the old school LSU, which is just ground and pound. So they made some steps forward in the passing game, and I think this year they're going to take another step, but. At the same time, a coach always goes back to their roots, and Coach O is a conservative guy. And let's face it, in the SEC, there's one reason why they don't throw it around like Trevor Lawrence and Clemson. It's because the opposing team has first-round defensive backs and quarterbacks and safeties and linebackers spread from one sideline to the other, and it's a very dangerous game Amen. to go into the SEC and just say, I'm going to sling it. So there has to be balance. That's why Saban is a balanced football coach. He knows where he's at. He knows what conference he's in. He knows what's on the other side of the ball. Speed, great football players, NFL talent. You can't just throw the ball up in the air and let it let it be picked by the other team, or, or bad things could happen. So, but I do think they will definitely take a step forward in the passing game, Lucas, as you said. And um, you know, I hate to even use the word, the D word, the draft word, because it's like what June right now. And uh, I'm really just looking forward to enjoying that whole college football season. I plan to go to Nashville. We got another plane in the works for the Auburn game in Baton Rouge. And of course, just watching it every Saturday, man, it's awesome. And I just think I'm just going to try to enjoy each and every Saturday. And, and hopefully he stays healthy and hopefully he plays well. I think that he will play well this season. Um, and I think that he's going to be an NFL draft guy. I really do. I think he's got that coaching background. I think he's got everything that scouts are looking for. For Ryan Boyd and Troy Bolin, I'm Lucas Moore. I want to thank every single one of you for listening out there. It's been a lot of fun on the sports fan. Troy and I will be back same time, same place tomorrow for the sports fan. Reds, big 15-game stretch. Can they do it? Joe Burrow looking pretty good at LSU. And uh, Chris Paul, you're not that good anymore, man. It's been the sports fan, 97 WATH, 97.1 FM. In our 69th year of service to Southeast Ohio, AM 970 and 97.1.